Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Pod. Pod. God, you know what? Yeah, you this, weren't even ready. No, that I wasn't. I was, was amateur hour. <laughs> I was too focused on the fact that I am hosting tonight. Welcome, Effers, to football and other F words. That's right. You are not listening to Keith because he's not here tonight. We actually don't know where he is. Do you know what band he's going to see? <laughs> I don't know. I, mean, I don't know. I do like that last second. He was yesterday. He was like, "Yeah, I think I can record." And then today, he told Zach and I, "He's like, I just discovered in my email that I've got tickets to a show tonight, so I, I can't be here." But yeah, that's true. He didn't even say concert. He just said show. He did like say what kind of show, show that could is be he a, going? It could be a shake joint. Yeah, it could be. It could be Disney on Ice. <laughs> I never know. I'm voting on Disney on Ice. Yeah, I think that's where he's at. Uh, again, football and other f words. I am Mr. Lebowski. Sitting across from me is Zach Zebo. How are you doing? Uh, well, I can, I can tell you this. I am very proud. My friend of the podcast, Andy Goldstein, he closed on his house today. Congratulations. He took a picture of a bathtub that he had in his house, house and uh, he said he's going to plow in this tub. So he is, he is, he's, oh, his DMs are open <laughs> at, at Action Goldstein. His DMs are open for you to slide in if you're interested in uh, some tub plowing. You know, I just I really hope like he doesn't pull like a whole taft and get yeah. stuck in the tub somehow. That'd be awful. Don't get stuck in the tub. Yeah. If you got two people in the tub, I feel like now you're starting to reach the circumference of taft. So careful well, plowing. Well, here here is the thing. You know, I am I am a uh, divorce experienced divorcee. Um, <laughs> if As you opposed had, to an yeah, unexperienced yeah, one, unexperienced. it just suddenly happened. <laughs> I don't know what happened. I'm doing. I don't know what happened. I don't know how to recover. Here here's what you do. Maybe you need to find the woman that will get stuck stuck in the bathtub that's for a, the first go around. That's an excellent point. For the first go around, if she gets stuck, mm. she gets stuck. Let's let's. I will admit, I've you never. Need, you need to get out there after the first. I one. will admit, I've never used Tinder in my life, so yeah. I don't know how it works. I know you swipe right and left on people. That's all I. Can you put words on tw- like? Yeah, this you, you, is can, shit you can you can do uh, captions and so, stuff and. So that. he could just put looking to getting stuck in the tub with you? <laughs> yeah. Okay. There you go. I think he should just throw that out there and see how many swipes he gets. Yeah. Is right good? Right yes, is I'm right interested. is good. Left is bad. Left is not. So so here's what he needs to do. He needs to put candles all around the tub yes. and be in the tub. Um not really with the water too high, but high enough to cover the feet. And maybe go up to the shin level, but in a bath in a bathrobe, a velvet bathrobe, and okay. he's holding a glass of wine, and then then he puts in the caption. See, I, I stuck in the tub. With I don't you. know because in the, that to me looks like either you've got plumbing issues or you don't know how to fully fill up a yeah. tub. Might be kind of weird. I think you go full tub, yeah, completely shirtless. But he's got to have chest hair so that it's just right. The nipples are below the water, but the chest hair is up with the candles around. Like go full Lebowski in the tub. Maybe possibly smoking a J. We're yeah. way off topic here, and I'm very sorry about that. <laughs> We've got some very important things to get to tonight. Uh, what did we do Monday night? We got uh, to hang out with Coach Mack and Jonathan Hutton 
and Kirby Allen Kirby. Why do Kirby. they call him Kirby Allen Kirby? I actually don't know the backstory on that. You don't? I, know. I can't answer that. It, it just it it drives me nuts every time I hear someone call him Cack. Kirby Allen Kirby. I, he, I've known him as Kirby Allen Kirby, and that's how he was introduced to me. So that's what I know him as. I, I even heard Coach Mac today on Three uh, HL say Kirby Allen Kirby. So I mean, like, <laughs> it just it just drives me nuts. Um, so we got to go to the Southern, and thanks to the Southern for having us around. Uh, a few of us that won a silent auction went, and we got to break down the New England Patriots versus uh, Tennessee Titans game from this past regular season. And they chose 50 plays, and they broke down those plays, and we got to ask questions as it went along. And and to be honest, I mean, I learned stuff that I never even thought about, and there was stuff in that game that I only remember, even us talking about it on the podcast, events that happened that we didn't even bring up on the podcast, and just goes to show how critical it is for film breakdown and what you miss on film breakdown. Well, and just a simple, like, what I liked about Coach Mack's presentation is that he immediately started off with, look, there's not going to be any, you know, stupid questions here. So when I start explaining at the beginning some of these topics or some of these phrases, like, please ask me if you don't know what it is. So the first thing he started off with, and look, you can blow me up on Twitter about this if you want. But you can blow asking, me up. I, I yeah. really didn't know. He started asking about personnel groups. And why they are numbered the way they are. In other words, what is 11 personnel, 12 personnel, 21 personnel, 22 personnel? And I immediately look, I, I raised my hand and said, I don't know what that is. Well, I probably shouldn't have done that because Coach Mack used me as an example and a sounding board for pretty much the first five minutes of the meeting, making me name all personnel groups. He came back to me several times during the film. But in all seriousness, I really kind of enjoyed that part because I, I learned that like 21 personnel means that obviously you've got five eligible receivers. So the two one means that you've got two backs and one tight end, which leaves you two wide receivers. So these personnel groups, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Zach, are basically the the building blocks of how you're going to call each play or at least know what's happening on the field with your offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator are basically calling out personnel groups. That, that That's right. So I, I knew of personnel groupings. I knew what 11 personnel was. I knew what 12 was. But I didn't know the why. I didn't know how they got those names. I just thought that that's how it was and that's how it's going to be. And there was no real definition behind it. So what what it is is that you have, like like you said, five five eligible receivers on the field. And you, you count backwards from that in a way. There's, there's math involved right. for those who don't know. So it goes... 11 personnel is, it always goes running back, tight end, and then whatever is left over is how many receivers you Correct. have on the field. So 11 personnel is one running back, one tight end, and you take those that two, because it's one and one, minus five equals three, three wide receivers. So that, to me, was a little bit more different than what I'm used to. What also was interesting was not everybody views the same players on the field associate with their personnel. So what he brought up was Corderell Patterson and how some defenses going into the week planning against New England have to decide whether he's a running back or wide receiver first off. So that particular player determines your person how your defense views that personnel because it goes correct you may I may be a little bit wrong, but I think he said 
how they called how teams called defenses is it starts with what personnel is on the field determines how many what people are you going to have right? right that's the way i understood it or at least on, maybe on i defense. remember that yeah and and that's actually a good point about what you were saying using um Cordell Patterson is that i it really gave me a better realization of uh, one of the comments he made while breaking down the film, Coach McForest, is that if you're just watching the ball, you're watching the game through a straw. Now, I've obviously... I like that. I really liked that analogy. I've never heard that one before. I mean, I've heard that you're missing a lot if you're just watching the ball. And and look, up until a couple of years ago, I was definitely that person. But this gave me a broader understanding of how teams look at the field. But using that example of how defensive coordinators are looking, trying to figure out what personnel group, based on the, ex- the specific example of Cordell Patterson... Is he listed as a back here, or is he a wide receiver? Because that's going to completely change which personnel group you have. I thought it was really interesting. And just going from there and breaking down the the film and actually getting to see different plays and how they happen and the different personnel groups again and Titans offense versus defense and, and the different looks that Brady was giving our defense, it was just very cool and very insightful. It made me anxious to watch football again so that I can see it from a broader scope. It it also it also came into play talking about even if a tight end is split out wide at the start of the thing, that's still a tight end. And that to me to me, if you split out a running back or a tight end, I would think that it would be like a five wide receiver set, especially from the onset, but they keep those positions there. So these personnel groupings have a lot more than involved. So if you did 11 personnel, that means that you still have five wide. It just means that one of those is running back, one is tied in. And that, to me, creates a lot of mismatches and gets me let's, – lets me have a little bit more respect for those defensive coordinators who have to teach their players on a week-to-week basis. This is how we're going to call this formation – here's who's under that formation, how these players have to learn that, and how easy it is to maybe get a little bit overwhelmed once the ball is snapped and with your assignment. I kind of have a little bit more of a leniency for the defense on that maybe one play where uh, I think it was Wesley Woodyard, uh, even though he's a a 20-year veteran or whatever he is, he messed up on – following the tight end for whatever reason, it kind of gives me a little bit more leniency on that kind of play because that's a, that's a lot to learn in such a small amount of time. And specifically this game, because we went Monday night football with Dallas Cowboys straight into early game Sunday versus the Patriots. So there's not a lot of preparation there. There's got to be at least one day off in between all that. Yeah. I was, um, and, and I know you got some notes you want to get into, but one of the, the things I remember Coach Mack talking about and what he was pointing out was a route that <clears throat> Edelman ran twice in the game, and it was a transcontinental route. Yeah. Is that what he called yeah. it, a TCR? And I have the TR- TRC. TRC oh, is how they call TRC. it. TRC. So I really thought that was neat because, uh, and again, you can go more into specifics, but it's, it was basically that Edelman, they ran this route successfully early in the game, and Logan Ryan got burned on it. And then later in the game, Logan Ryan remembered that, and he saw it coming again. He was like, you know, here we go. I'm going to stay on his hip. And sure enough, right there over the middle, he was able to break it up. And that was the the, the deflating move. Once that hit, that was, I mean, you know, the, the game was pretty much over at that point at the end of the game. But just even seeing that, a simple route, not simple, but a route across the middle of the field 
that is not the flashiest play, to me, I was really excited to kind of understand not only what the route and the grouping was called, but exactly how the defense plays against that. And again, I, I understand what I'm saying right now, maybe completely eye-rolling to those football fans out there that already know this, and I apologize. I am definitely exposing my level of ignorance to the game right now. Well, we both are, because, I mean, to me, I, I think that anybody with no matter, unless they were a coach, and even if they were a coach, to hear from Coach Mack break down the film and break it down in a way, I, I, I really don't think you, you get tired of it. Well, I, I don't see how you could because they even said, Coach Mack was like, yeah, I'm not looking at film. Uh, Hutton told us that at the end of day three of the draft, he was like, 30 minutes left in the broadcast. Coach Mack said, yeah, I'm not looking at film for the rest of the, the time or whatever, for, for months. Right. And then as soon as a couple of days passed and they were going in and preparing for this event, like Coach Mack was basically a crack addict scratching his <laughs> neck, itching to watch some film. So, I mean, it. I, I think no matter what the level is, if you love the game of football, you're always going to look at the film. It's just, you know, I, I think <clears throat> that any – if you go into something like that with an open mind, you're going to learn a lot. And I learned a shit ton. You got a couple of examples in your uh, notes that you want to go over? Yeah. So I, I there, there were very, to me, minor things I thought that was pretty interesting. So one of them was that he didn't call it a pocket. He What Tom Brady had or what Marcus had, he never called it a pocket. He called it a cylinder. Yeah. Which to me, and the way he described it, narrows down the area around the quarterback once they take the snap. It's not a perfect circle. It's a cylinder, so that means that it's a little bit thinner around the edges. So you have a little bit less leeway and a little bit less margin for error is how I kind of viewed it. And I thought that was one of the interesting things. He always talked about the cylinder. He always talked about it being in between the hash marks in the middle of the field and right. all that kind of stuff. And work, Yeah, and how the quarterbacks work, the cylinder. And it just kind of – maybe it's, you know, bias from Coach Mack just doing such a good job, but I kind of understood what he was talking about by the end of it, and I really saw it more as a cylinder as we finished watching the film. It made more sense. I'll I, I tell you one things that uh, we, we were at the game. I mean, I think it was almost all four of us that yeah. are normally here were at the game. Do you remember Corey Davis being as dominant as he was at the time of play compared to what we saw on film? I don't. Now, part of that might be because once we realized the game was going so well for the Titans, I started to have a much better time. So yeah. I uh, lost track of the game a little bit. But I, I don't. I remember Corey Davis having a good game, but going back and watching the film, he didn't just have a good game. He had a great game. And he had a great game against one of the best cover corners in, in the league. I mean, such a good cover corner that they got. They didn't even try Ooh. to sign uh, Malcolm Butler because Stephen Gilmore was just so apparently good. And so apparently Bill Belichick thought that, okay, we are here. The, the let's, let's backtrack a little bit. So, yeah, Corey Davis had a great game. But let's, let's talk about why he continually was able to beat up on Stephon Gilmore is because – Bill Belichick said, Corey Davis, if I can take away Corey Davis, then my defense can do whatever the hell it wants. So that's that's how little respect he paid to the rest of the offense was we were injured. We were coming off a short week. He said, I'll just take away Corey Davis and, you know, everything will be fine. Well, it didn't work. And what Dave McGinnis said was that 
the reason why throughout the whole game, except for maybe two or three plays or one series, that they kept playing man on Corey Davis with Stephon Gilmore is because Bill just had it in his head that Stephon should be able to clamp down Corey Davis, and he didn't. And if if he had clamped down on Corey Davis, this would be a totally different game. Right. So that speaks to the level of what Corey Davis is just on the verge of getting. He's on the verge of being that number one for any haters that are out there. And he had an excellent game. And when you go back, and they highlighted mostly on offense those those plays of him you know, bending and diving and catching and beating Stephon Gilmore. I mean, it was just the theme of the night was, man, Corey Davis just beating the crap out of Stephon Gilmore. And that's what Coach Max basically said. And it showed a couple of times there towards the end of the film where Corey Davis was catching some passes that Gilmore was just getting gashed on. Yeah. And you saw the dejection in Gilmore's body. A little bit of the slumped shoulders, the head down, the head shaking a couple of times. It was that's what I really enjoyed about this event was being able to see quickly the progression of one player covering one wide receiver and and seeing that game go poorly for the cover man and the dejection, the the loss that starts to build into their body language as it goes on because you're just getting beat, you're having a bad day, and it was very awesome to see. I, I, I again, like you said, I yeah. came away from it with a better appreciation and understanding that Corey Davis didn't have a good game. He had a great game. He had a he had a game yeah. that shut down Belichick's entire game. <laughs> he had a game where, yeah, Kenny V, Kenny Vaccaro, that's the play that everybody remembers from the first time you walk away from that game and you don't go back and watch it. That's the play that everybody remembers, the Kenny V game. If it wasn't for Corey Davis or the if that that play at the very beginning where he tackles uh, Deion Lewis or Julian Edelman yes. or not Deion Lewis, what am I saying? Kenny V tackles uh, the very first offensive play, the very first offensive series. Go, goes in and just takes out the legs, and the crowd's going wild. Right. He set the tone, but as much as I walked away giving credit to that defense that game and for him setting the tone. If Corey Davis was not in that game, or if Corey Davis, for whatever reason, did not he took over that game, we would not have won that game without Corey Davis. There's no way in my mind it would have been maybe a ten to three game. We would have been in it till the very end because our defense kept us in it. But our offense would not have performed without Corey Davis being there on the field, and that was one of my big takeaways. I know that Johnny Smith. He he scored, you know, a touchdown. He was the first touchdown that scored that scored in the game. And on that play, it was very telling that having a mobile quarterback really worked out to our advantage because the linebacker had to come up to take t- to make sure that Marcus wasn't, you know, gonna just run it in. Right. And then he just tossed it to Janu. So but if Corey Davis wasn't constantly just beating the crap, beating the shit out of Stephon Gilmore, we would never won that game. That's what I learned. I think that was my biggest takeaway was how well Corey Davis played that wide receiver one position that day. Well, and I think that part of it, too, was it was such a complete game, which Titans fans, e- even with three years in a row with, with a winning record now, I am correct on that, right? Mm-hmm. It's 9-7 and seven for three years? So, That's correct. 
even three years in a row now of having a winning record, Titans fans are still, and I'm the same way, are still leery of seeing a Titans team put up a complete game. And this was a complete game. Yeah. And the Titans had, what, 150 rushing yards in that yeah. game? Something which close was, to that? Which was, again, another surprising right. thing, considering that Derrick Henry didn't get into, well, to like the second quarter or something crazy like second that. Second quarter. Wasn't that week 10, yeah. I believe? So, yeah, exactly. You, you confirm, or not confirmation bias, but recency bias of, Derrick Henry had a monster season. Well, he ended the season, sure, with a monster season. But by week 10, I mean, he didn't get a snap in that game till you know, later in the game. But anyways, long story short, what I'm trying to say here is that I think the 150 rushing yards, especially since it came towards the end of the game, probably also helped mask that Corey Davis had such a good game and that the game was already pretty much out of hand by the time the third quarter was wrapping up. And overall, just re- really, really cool to see. i really impressed with the film breakdown. Um, give us a last thought on uh, on the event. Well, I'll say this. Um, the veteran presence on the defense was something to watch. Seeing Woodyard and Casey on one of the one the, the Woodyard sack on the game just maneuver around the defensive line that was set up perfectly for the defense. It was set up perfectly to block any kind of pressure coming to Brady. And Casey and Woodyard were able to maneuver around the offensive line and communicate with each other to be able to get to Brady and Woodyard to get the sack. And really, when you go back and look at that play, that's the most most impressive defensive uh, play, in my opinion. Um, that and communication is key on that defense. I mean, it just really was. That yep. whole game, that, communi- that defense led by Dean Pease, he, he just had it. He had it the perfect game plan. He was ready. He coached the players. They were communicating with each other. They knew the game plan. They knew the personnel that were coming up. They knew what to expect from Brady's motions, his audibles. I mean, they just, that defense really dominated that game. And it was just, it was, it makes you wonder why they couldn't do that every game. That's why I walked away with. And that's really one of one, what I wanted to ask coach Mack was, and we didn't, we didn't have time so maybe if we can have him on the show, uh, I'll ask him, why can't they do that and have that same preparation every week? Well, and, you know, look, I, I, uh, I'm not going to pretend to have the answer to that, but I will say that if you, if you want a, a, maybe a microcosm of the talent and the level of play that the Titans have built in, then maybe go back and watch, you know, a, a quick take at the film for the, for the Patriots game because – when, when the Titans are on, when this team is on, I mean, it was a hell of a game plan. Yep. So I, it just made me more anxious to see, you know, 2019, 2020 football out of the Titans. You know, we'll see where it goes. But, again, you know, big thanks to um, <clears throat> Jonathan Hutton and Coach Mack for, for hosting a great event. Again, Hutton was killing it, you know, all season with the uh, LLS Foundation. 157, setting up 152. 157 or 58, something yeah, along those some. lines that he raised, 158,000. Um, but that was the last event that he had. He had sold tickets before it ended, so that was the last true event. It was a very small event, which made it really cool. We get to ask questions in, in, a, in a very small kind of classroom-style setting. Very good food from the Southern. So if you get a chance, if you hear that pop up again, any kind of event that – <clears throat> has you know coach mack where the film is gonna get broken. To I, yeah i can't i can't stress enough to buy the ticket don't even blink an eye and uh definitely hit that up what what about what he said about the draft stuff 
I mean, because he was giving us insight before we before we started the film thing about some of the what, what goes on to a draft room. That was very cool. I was asking some very specific, like logistics type questions on um, exactly how it works from when the player is called to when the pick is made to you know how much teams know insight into to other picks. And and I'll start with the question I asked. And again, this may get some eye rolls out there, but. <clears throat> leading up to the draft. Yeah, we don't care for your eye rolls, by the I, way. I don't. You can we've got a uh we've got a, a poll up right now that's asking some specific questions about our podcast. We're gonna discuss that a little bit later. But uh, you know, if you got some problems with the eye rolls, leave them in there. Yeah, and we'll we'll hit you up and in, I, uh, I guarantee we'll, you we'll come to your door. For every one person that eye rolls, there's at least about ten people that their <clears throat> eyebrows raised are like, Oh, right. I didn't know that. So the first question I asked, and uh forgive me if my memory is terrible and I screw some of this up, but the first question I asked was you know, approaching draft day, who is it that makes sure that the coach has the phone number for the, you know, for the pick, for the player that they're interested in? And so Coach Mack was explaining, well, obviously leading up, you know, to the draft a few days before, they're reaching out to anyone they're interested in and saying, hey, listen, you know, obviously we met, the draft is coming up, just want to make sure we've got a good phone number for you, that kind of thing. And then the actual draft, you know, the, the, the draft pick themselves is being instructed usually by an agent or a buddy or something like keep your phone open, make sure you got a good loud ringer on, you know, just obviously when it comes time, you want to make sure you're not going to miss that phone call. And then the actual pick itself, and I got to, I got to kind of scratch my brain on this one a little bit and, and remember exactly what he said, but the, the question I had asked or, or you had asked possibly was, uh, let's see, how did I phrase it? It was, um, so, the NFL teams that are in the the big, not the war room, but the the large room with the with the small desk of the people that are actually holding up the pink cards. For for a national, they were in the Schmimmerhorn. Right. Schmimmerhorn. Schmimmerhorn. The Schmimmerhorn. The Schmimmerhorn. Is it not the Schmimmerhorn? That, no, that sounds oh. like a medical procedure. Okay. But um, so they actually have a board in there that once the pick is made, and that, again, it's you know the team is basically asking the draft pick like, okay, we're putting the pick in. You good? So once the pick is in, they write the name on a pink card, and then it's, it's put up there, and then it flashes up on a board, you know, the Tennessee Titans select, and then it's got the pick up there so that all the other teams know, and that's about two minutes before, before it goes on the network. And that's precisely why the network stop at, you know, asked ESPN, NFL, you know, even their own group, stop leaking the picks beforehand because they wanted some drama. Yeah, but it's because it's up there ninety to one hundred and twenty seconds before it ever even gets into somebody's hands to get to the commissioner to go out on the stage. And I and, thought that was really cool. And that's why the Jeffrey Simmons video, <laughs> if you're paying attention to it, when he's getting a call, the Vikings haven't even announced their pick. The the he's he's talking to John Robinson, he's talking to Amy, he's talking to Mike Vrabel, and that pick is has started being announced. And then it gets announced, and then Garrett Bradbury comes up on the stadium or up on the stage, and I'm thinking, how did they know? I mean, I thought they were figuring it out at the same time that everybody else was. So that, that was very interesting to know. Uh, another interesting thing to know was um, he, he we, we saw it on the A.J. Brown video where J-Rob said, patience, patience. And he said it twice. And that's exactly what... Um, Dave McGinnis was talking about, he said, Coach Mack was saying that this whole draft was about patience. They waited. 
for Jeffrey Simmons. Jeffrey Simmons, from all intents and purposes that we understood and grabbed context from talking to Coach Mack, was was their guy at 19. If he if he was gone, they weren't willing to trade up. But if he was gone, they had other plans. But he was the guy. Um, the the team they were most worried about was the Indianapolis Colts moving up because that that's been speculated. That for sure, you can take it to the bank, was the team that they were worried about jumping up in front of them. That is why the Colts traded down is because we took Jeffrey Simmons. Well, and, and to even take that a step further, if you really want to try to read into it too much, Titans fans and probably <laughs> most of the league from 19 up is lucky that Arizona botched their trade and didn't even really heavily try to trade, uh, my God, blanking on Rosen. Yeah. You know, botched trying to trade Rosen. Apparently, they were trying to shop him like during their pick, and that's why it was taking so long to get the pick in. But, anyways, if they don't take Murray or anything kind of, you know, got a little screwy with their pick, that could have totally shifted the whole board above us. And maybe the Titans draft doesn't go the way it does. You can read into that as much as you want. But at the same time, I, I, I like that Coach Mack discussed that with you and I about you got to have some patience and that's yeah. exactly what Robinson said. And then it's, it's very funny that we got to see the video where Robinson is, is, is basically whether he's saying it directly to Amy Adams or if he's just saying it out loud so he can hear it, you know, the, the whole patience, patience, like he got his man. I think it was more self-affirmation because right. Coach Mack had said that when you're in the war room and especially John Robinson talking about patience is like a duck. And he seems very calm on the surface, but underneath the table or underneath the water, his feet are just moving like rapidly, like crazy. And that's what he described Robinson as, because we know that Robinson is not afraid to move up, moving down, move, you know, move all around the draft. Yeah. But he just stayed patient. That's another testament to what John Robin, he's, he's very flexible. He's adaptable. Yeah. He doesn't panic. He's very calm underwater and or calm under pressure, um, and that was something I took away from that. And um, I think that you know I got from him is that this draft class was all about value, and doesn't matter what position we drafted, we got the value at every draft pick that you wanted. I liked it. It was a cool event. It was. It gave me more you know, a little bit more faith going into the season that the draft was successful, but that, you know, especially in, in Dean Pease, that the defense is in good hands, that really breaking down that film and seeing the defense do their thing and having someone explain what I'm saying. I, I really thought that was cool. Do you want to go to commercial break? Yeah. Yeah. Let's take a quick Do you want to do your own commercial first? I am not ready to do that. You're not week. ready for the child. I'm going to probably do it in 5, front of, 000? I'm going to do it in front of our guest next week yeah. just to see if she gets up and leaves her. <laughs> oh my God. All right. So when we come back, we're going to hear from probably the uh, cocaine up the butt bike riders uh, and then Pittsburgh <laughs> Batman. I think is what it is. I don't know. These commercials just really confuse me. So we're going to hear from our sponsors, and then we'll be right back. And we're back. That's I had simple. To, I, 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 had to, um, I had to think for a second what the hell you were talking about, and then I realized I, I, I have not heard many of our ad reads because I jump around my own podcast. Yeah. Mainly, I go, back, I go back and listen to my own podcast to see how stupid I sound. And once I'm very disgusted with how I sound, I usually miss the ad reads. But I, I totally forgot that one of the ads is, is very strange. Um, so I want, I want to segue into 
Uh, I know the Midday 180 kind of does their, like their Twitter beef of the day. It, it, obviously, that's that's not really the title of our segment. We just want to discuss some particularly very bad takes we've seen on was, Twitter. For today whatever was, reason, today. Today was bad, but this week in particular has been very, very salty with just very bad takes. And the, the first one I, first one I want to get to that was earlier this week was posted to Twitter from a Kate Magdzik, Mag, Mag, I cannot say her last name, it's spelled M-A-G-D-Z-I-U-K. She goes by FF Ball Blast. Is that, I mean, uh, okay, so we're, we're not going to get it too deep into not, it, but I'm that's not, a little I, weird. That's, that's a little strange. Um, you know, she, apparently she's got a, uh, she likes to do fantasy football uh, analysis, has got a podcast. Apparently it's, it's, uh, it's a bit of a popular podcast, but one of and she has good fantasy advice. I mean, I went through her timeline. She she's seems like a sensible, knowledgeable person for well, the most part. And that's, somewhat. That's uh, that's where my um, problem lies. So she released her prediction for it was all four conferences, right? Yeah. Without I, I, context. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All, both both sides. Yeah. AFC and NFC. No, no no context. No context and had the Titans at three and thirteen, which had us what second to worst in the league. Yeah. Now I, I'm not going to go through and read a lot of the comments, and I'll explain why in just a moment. But really, had no context why the Titans were three and thirteen, and a lot of Titans fans were asking very pointed, very like specific, like how help us understand how you're taking a team that has spent the last three seasons at nine and seven has only added more weapons and some more depth is coming into the season healthier than last season. Hopefully with a quarterback that's coming in healthy, a tight end that's now coming back healthy. So anyways, you go into all that and then the pieces that were added in the draft explain how, how the Titans are going to finish worse, like not even just worse than last year. Tremendously Second, yeah. fire everyone worse. Like, I mean, that would be that would be fire everyone bad. Yeah, absolutely. In my opinion. And and I'm glad you said that. If the Titans went three and thirteen this season, would you ask for everybody's head in the front office? I mean, I would. I would. I, I, if if Marcus is healthy and or if Marcus is injured, then Tannehill comes in and he's healthy. Three and thirteen is not acceptable for this team. Um, it's, it's, it's crazy. And her excuses were very, or her reasons were very flimsy. They were, cause I did see her respond to a few people and it said, well, you know, it depends on Marcus's health. It depends on, um, well, the division is very tough. Well, welcome to the last fucking three years, the last four years of Marcus's career, but the last three years of this whole fucking franchise, where we went nine and seven beyond expectations, overcoming adversity year after year. Marcus's injury does not. I want Marcus to be healthy. I want Marcus to be successful. If he get, if he's injured and Tannehill has to come in, we don't see a tremendous drop off in quarterback play. But so, and then our division, I think we're the second best division in our team, and I think it's a, I think it's is a tough division, but we can be able to beat the Colts now. But to have us in last place, that that that's that doesn't make sense. You're saying that we can only beat three teams, and we're going to sweep the Jaguars. So I mean, what's the one other no, team that you think we're going to beat? And that's not no. I, I've actually got the answer to your question there. She responded 
to um, Josh TN33, who basically asked and said, all right, who do you have us losing to? I'll save the time. I'm sorry, who they, who she would have us yeah. beating. I'll save my time and say who I projected them to the, to win versus. Week 8 in Tampa. Okay, coin flip. So we're going 0-7. No, I know. I know. Week, 10, week 8, Tampa. Week 14, Oakland. Week 16, Saints. So we're getting swept by all three divisional opponents. Oh, the Colts, fine, because the Titans just have yeah. Colts problems. But we're not even breaking even with Texas or with the Texans or the fucking Jags. Oh, Which God. we've shown time and time again that we can at least sweep the Jags the last three years. But for the last two or, or three, we've broken even with the Texans. I mean, you're basically just throwing out any kind of history out there. And I think my... Okay, so that's that's a problem, right? Her lack of context, her lack of... I mean, how does she... What does she expect? Is that the Saints are just benching all their starters? I mean, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I know we beat the Saints a few years ago, last time we played them in Marcus's rookie year. But l- let's be honest, the Saints team is, is really, really fucking good. And... I mean, are they just benching their starters? If if we're a team that can only beat Tampa Bay <laughs> and Oakland, how are we beating the Saints? It's uh, yeah. It, it, so it makes no sense. But okay, but but we can even move past the part of making sense. A bad take is a bad take, and if you want right. to defend it until the end of your life. Fine, go ahead. And, and, and to be I'll honest, res- you don't even have to defend it. Exactly, it's your take. You could just say it's my take. It's my opinion. Exactly. I'll I'll respect the fact that you're throwing out there. You got to respect the fact that people are going to come at you and say, yeah. seriously, what the hell? Explain. But here's my second problem with her Twitter argument. A few hours after she posts this, and Titans fans are in it, and it's not just Titans fans. She had posted some poor records for several other teams that were like, really, what the hell? Look at what we've added. She proceeds to post, I've explained about 50 times that I'm sick of this conversation. Read the thread. I'm officially rooting for the Titans, blah, blah, blah. Okay. You're rooting sick. for the Titans to fail. You're sick of a conversation you started. Yeah. I, I, I can't really wrap my head around that. that that's my thing. Is that it's childish. I, we When we put stuff out on the Twitter, and when I go in and do a bunch of research and put it out there, I'm not putting necessarily, you know, who I think is going to win. I, I like to put stuff where you can take it and you can say, hey, let me draw my own conclusion or this is what this guy thinks, and I agree with it or disagree with it. But I'm always going to interact and back it up. That was my main problem is that you decided that you were going to throw out a win prediction, record prediction thing. That's fine. You can do it. But when people come saying, and you don't have to answer the people that say, well, stay in the kitchen because you're a woman, and those, those people are retarded. And or I probably shouldn't have said that, but I said it on the last podcast. I said yeah. it twice, back to back. Yeah, I said retarded, and then I said should I have said retarded? Yeah, I mean they're idiots and they're scum of the earth, and I do not defend those people. And the very finite tweets that she shared, I do not support those people. But they're angry for a reason. They're not angry just because you're a woman well, talking and, about sports. They're angry because you're wrong and I'll in dive, some sense. And I'll dive into that for a second because this is my third part of, of the of the problem I had with it. But first off, I don't give a shit what fan base you're with. Yeah. I don't care what sport it is. 
if your first intention to get on social media and to make a, a very busted ass take of getting the kitchen ball, seriously, GTFO, like yeah. what, what's wrong with you? If you're in 2019, you know, and you're like, still what good is that this isn't 1950. Stop making jokes about you should be cleaning. Make me a sandwich, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And also, if your crackback is to tell a woman to go make you a sandwich, what the fuck's wrong with you? Yeah. Like, anyway, so I'm, I'm just going to move past that. And I will never tolerate that. And she did bring up a good point about like, look, as soon as I posted this, the majority of people who were telling me, you know, to get in the kitchen and stuff were Titans fans. Fine, but then she proceeded to tweet out pictures of Bears fans, Redskins fans, and all that, and say, "Here's all the responses I was getting from Titans fans." And that's yeah. when I jumped in. I said, "Listen, I have to call you out." Now she did say that she did get some from Redskins fans, but it was only one from a Redskins fan. And I think she only said that is because she tweeted it out, saw the picture, and saw the skins in there. It was in his logo or whatever, and but there were hidden Bears fans in there and all this stuff. I, I think. I think the problem I have is, okay, that's fine. You you feel the need to show that, hey, this is what I got from any fan base. I, I, I really don't care that it's from Titans fan base, or and she mislabeled it. I really, I really don't. And, and my my big thing was that there were plenty of people who tried to have a conversation with her, and she just ignored those people. This podcast account in particular tried to have two or three logical conversations with her and she just totally ignored us and then even went into the mentions of the thread of people defending themselves or saying this or that just to talk shit or just to say well this is why i don't say anything because you know of these people and blah 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 okay maybe you're not strong enough to hold a you know a twitter account and help hold a conversation then if you're going to post something like that up let's let's get on here and have a conversation that's why you posted it up, right? Or did you just want to post it up to hope that everybody said, oh, you're so right and you're so good and, oh, this is going to be exact. I know it's your prediction. It's your opinion. You don't have to explain to anybody if you don't want to, but don't get, don't just promote and, the, the idiots. And you're, you're doing what they want. And that's they, where wanna, I can't, they want the promotion. And that's where I can't get with the argument of Huxley is so mad you woke him yeah. up. Um, at the, and the last part of the, her tweet that I was reading earlier that I stopped reading about um, – why she was trying to defend her argument is I'm tired of having this conversation. She ended the sentence with it's a prediction in May again. Why are you going to get mad yeah. about people having a, a bad opinion of your opinion in May when you're the one who made the opinion in May? Yeah. Don't make the opinion. Don't if you make can't the handle opinion. The, if don't you can't st- handle the criticism, don't make the opinion. Don't pick a fight or start an argument with somebody. If you have no intention or no skill or will to finish it. I mean, that's just all there is to it. And some of the examples I'll give, and, and then I'm going to leave this alone because I'm, I'm going down the rabbit hole too far on this. I have a fine, thin line between being insulted on Twitter and being insulted because of your race, sex, that kind of thing. I'm never going to tolerate the latter. I, th- I think it's pathetic if you can't find a way to exist with other human beings in 2019. I really want absolutely fucking nothing to do with you if that's who you are. But I will say, if you're going to make an argument of this is an absolutely dumbass opinion, back up your opinion with facts, if you can't handle the harsh language, uh, I'm not a big fan of directing that at people. I kind of want to have a more civil talk until they start to get buck wild with me, and then I'm ready to go on that alley. But at the same time, you got to understand people are going to come in hot. And if yeah. you don't understand that sports fans in general, particularly football fans, and are that fans upset, is short for what? Fanatics. Right. 
If you are invested in an industry as a fantasy football analyst, as you call yourself, which is specific and a subset of the sport you love, and you don't understand or want to play ignorance to the fact that, again, fanatics are fanatical, I don't have a lot of sympathy for you. Yeah. I'm not going to apologize for people that want to come in and make fun of you for being a woman and try to cover the sport and all that. That's reprehensible. But if they drop a cuss word. I mean, but if up. you exactly, if you, I mean, how many times have you been talking with somebody and you're like, get the fuck out of here? Are you serious? Yeah. I mean, like, I don't actually want you to get the fuck out of here. Yeah. And I apologize if my language has ruined your young life meeting, but people do that. That's just unfortunately how people communicate and. Twitter is a cesspool. Understand that going into it. Well, I will say that if I if I were to tell my Twitter take today to get the fuck out, I literally may, mean get the fuck out of the airwaves because Jared Stillman <laughs> is I, – I, I, I don't listen to his show. I, I have listened to it when Buck has been on, friend of the podcast Buck. And I cannot understand – you know the saying that uh, it's only you have a face made for radio? That's because their voice is awesome, right? Right. Stillman has the worst voice for radio, and I do not understand how that motherfucker has a job. And and I will guarantee you this. Like uh, Lebowski said, we do have a poll out or a, sur- a link to a survey out. We're asking you questions because we're, we're trying to expand. We're trying to do this, trying to get guests, trying to gauge your interest level in this podcast. Jared Stillman will never be invited on this show. And the only <laughs> way that he will be invited on this show is if I am dead, I am gone, and I have left the podcast and still alive, or we invite him on the podcast to a remote location and we never show up and we just make him wait there for us. Um, because not only is his voice bad, but let's talk about this take today. The Jared Stillman Circle of Titans Pass <laughs> Catching Trust. All right. First off, clunky name, horrible name. You should have said the still the Marcus or the Stillman's Marcus Circle of Trust or something. I mean, that's just that's just a horrible, horrible clunky name. And this is as of five eighteen or five eight twenty nineteen. So, you know, that really holds no bearing in the whole tweet, really. Event it came out today. One, Delaney Walker. Two, Derek Hendry. Three, Adam Humphreys. Four, Anthony Ferkser. Those are your circle, guys. Outside the circle, Corey Davis, A.J. Brown, Deion Lewis, Johnny Smith. So. Who do you want to start with on this list? <laughs> let's start with Derek Henry because you know me. I love me some Derek Henry. I think that Derrick Henry can be a a good to slightly above average pass catching back. He is not even the best pass catching back on this team compared to <laughs> Deion Lewis. And if you're talking about circle of Titans pass catching trust and you have to slot in a running back at two for whatever fucking reason you're going to, Deion Lewis would be the guy that you would slot in unless you're counting handoffs at as passes? Is that what he's doing? What, what, do you, what do you think is his thought logic there? I don't think there is any thought logic. And, and I don't mean to burn right past your comment here, but the reason why I know there's not any thought logic here is let's move into the last person that he's got inside the circle, Adam Humphreys. How many passes has Marcus Mariota thrown to Adam Humphreys in his long, illustrious career here? It's zero. 
I, I mean, mean unless they went to Hawaii or California and did it, you know, <laughs> you know, on the beach somewhere. Unless there's an underground Illuminati football league that <laughs> yeah. happens in Hawaii, which I'm actually not convinced is 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 already happening. It's in the base of a volcano, <laughs> kind of like a a, a boss. In I a, really, in a master I really evil hope, lair. I really hope that if it's happening, they're wearing exosuits. All I want by the end of my life is a football game played in exosuits. Like some kind of yeah fr- yeah uh, yeah we can we can move on past <laughs> that but again you have Adam Humphreys in your circle of how does he have this circle of Titans the Jared pass- Stillman circle Ugh. of Titans pass catching trust so trust is earned okay right. you don't just tell someone you can trust me right like you actually have to earn a little bit of trust from somebody I, I would think that earning trust in a Titans pass catching trust circle would mean actually catching a fucking ball so. How is Humphreys on this list? Yeah, and there's no rapport, so why does he trust him? I mean, I guess if he's going to trust a running back like Derrick Henry, who he's barely thrown the ball to, and why not trust a guy he's never thrown a ball to? I guess that's the logic. I understand Delaney Walker, number one. I have no problem with that. Sure. Let's talk about Anthony Ferkser being number four. Over Johnny Smith, over number one ride receiver Corey Davis, and if you're looking at projections... He's also over A.J. Brown. Then if you're looking at actual production, he's also over Deion Lewis. What the fuck? Well, I mean, everybody in the circle of trust, uh, we love Ferguson. We are a pro-Ferkser Fer- Fer- podcast. A, this is a massively pro-Ferkser podcast. But to even have him in the circle of trust seems a little silly. If you if you, if you are here for anti-Ferkser takes, you're going to be sorely disappointed. Yeah. But I can't, I can't put him over Corey Davis. I just I cannot. I mean, Corey Davis is the number one guy. He was targeted. I know he was not a targeted enough. But if you look at the targets that he was given versus how many times Marcus actually threw the ball to Corey, he had the lion's share of the targets and everything. Marcus trusts him. We just came back from the New England game. There's a whole game where Marcus is throwing balls that he never throws, and he only threw them because Corey, he trusts Corey. This is a whole season of that. And Jared Stillman, and I, I can't even do the, the voice. Titans, the I don't even know if this is the Jared. The, I mean, it's just it's such a grating voice. The Titans didn't. Oh. didn't it was Gilmore. That he yeah. was up against in oh, the game, yeah. right? So the Titans' game plan was not to go in against the Patriots and put Ferkser against Gilmore. <laughs> right. So how explain your – you know what? Don't explain yourself, Stoneman, and I want to explain why. Because I'm very, very tired of hearing your takes. It's just – it's fluffy, hot take material. We know exactly what you're doing. Just stop. I mean, and I'm sure he's enjoying this. I'm sure he's enjoying that we spent about five minutes Absolutely. talking about him because – that's the whole point of his shtick. His shtick is not to be good at his job and to be informative and to be, you know, to give out good information and good radio content. He's looking for that one little sentence, that one little topic that will overshadow everybody else that's working hard at that radio station. And it's just, to me, it's, it's, it's one of those things. It's, it's one of my big, thi- my big things is never giving people a platform who don't deserve it. And... I know that we'll bring that I brought up Stillman, and I know that kind of flies in the face of it. But there are certain people out there on Titans Twitter. There are certain people out there on the radio that I just disregard a lot of their stuff. But this one was just bad, especially because you still have 
PK beating the drum on Corey Davis not being a bulldog or whatever he's wanting him to be and talking, still talking about the undrafted free agents. It's just one of those days where it's just, okay, I reached my level bullshit, and this is the one I want to take and, on. And no, it was the it was the giant, perfectly formed turd on top of the shit yeah. cake of, of terrible Titans Twitter takes all week. I can't believe I got that out of my mouth without stumbling over it. Much like the Jared Stolman circle of Titans pass-catching trust. How long did KB come up with that bullshit-ass title? And he didn't even capitalize some of it. So, like, how official is this pass-catching circle of trust if there's not a lot of capital letters in it? I mean, I, I just, it's a poorly written tweet with, I mean, it's just poorly thought it's, out. It, it's a 4chan level meme lord bullshit is exactly what we're reading here. It's yeah. the guy who wants to look at you and say, James Winston's better than Marcus Mariota. When you go, what? You go, yeah. oh, I trolled you, trolled you, bro. See, see, I got a response out of you. That's exactly what we're seeing. Here. Yeah. And so with that, I'm going to move on to Jared Stillman because I don't want to give him any more time on our podcast. As a matter of fact, I want to make a commitment to you right now, Zach, that I'm going to refuse to say his name from here I like on it. Out. From here on out, he will not we, be discussed. We have majority because, I mean, there's two of us and then there's Huxley, so we got the majority. Yes. So we will never speak of Jared Stillman after this. Well, but I'll say well, this. Unless we want to just say how stupid and shitty of a person he is. Well, will, of I, a host he is. I will say this, and Mike and Keith can come back and attack us if they want for this once they show back up, but this is not a democracy here, okay? This nope. podcast was started by you and I, Yeah. okay? So we're running this like king and king. Yeah. We don't really give a shit what your opinion is. Our lineage is going to continue to take over these chairs, and you can sit over there like the Secretary of Commerce and just wish you were in power. Yeah. And so, once I teach Huxley how to speak English, <laughs> it's his podcast. I'm sorry you had to hear that here, Keith and Mike. <laughs> we love you. But you're not running. <laughs> no, but that's it. Yeah. Stillman's name will not be uttered once I've said it that last time, and it's done. Yeah. The, the other take uh, that sprung up and I don't know if it was really pure just just sarcasm is just dripping wet with sarcasm and I missed it and I didn't understand it or if it was um, just a guy being an idiot was uh, something came up today and uh, it was a rumor Kevin Duffy said the Patriots are likely continuing to explore upgrades a wide receiver one intriguing trade option, Tennessee's Taewon Taylor. Titans signed Adam Humphreys and drafted A.J. Brown in the second round. Taylor has two years remaining on his rookie deal and is a dynamic run-after-catch wide receiver. Now, I have a problem with that because he doesn't like to catch. But the um, <laughs> this guy named Alien Fries, F-R-Y-Z, said, Seriously? I think he's better than Corey Davis in reference to Taewon Taylor. My God. What the fuck? Is this person a Titans fan? I mean, he's got 11 comments on it, and <laughs> apparently uh, South uh, Texas Titan sent him a message that sa that shows the uh, iPhone messages, and it says it's from the Illuminati, and it says, delete this. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's such a bad... I mean, that's a bad take. I have not seen him, you know, defend it or whatever, but this that's that's a really bad take. And, and look, I'll before we end this segment about bad takes, I will say this. Look, I've got bad takes out there. I mean, multiple times. We all, I've, do. We all do. I've opened my mouth on Own this podcast takes. several times and said some very, very stupid stuff. 
and gotten called out for it, and rightfully so. And yeah. I will gladly come on here and say hey, that I've we had a whole takes. apology theme song where we apologized to people that we had bad takes on. <laughs> exactly. I mean, we own it. We and, own our shit. And listen, here's the thing: the Titans go three and thirteen. I promise you, I'll be the first one in this girl's mention saying I am very terrible. Yeah. Sorry, you were dead on somehow, but I just don't see it happening. But here's the thing: well, you may even propose to her. Before, uh, well, I don't know if I we want to go. She that knows. Far. She knows a lot about football. I, I mean, that seems like a keeper. That's, that's a, I mean, that's a good point, but yeah. You know, I, I have a certain type, and uh, th- basically it's, you know, waitress angel face and, uh, yeah. in, in New Orleans, <laughs> which uh, we'll bring up sometime on this podcast. But anyways, it, before you log on to Twitter and start blasting those digits all over that keyboard to get something out, like, just stop and read it first and think about what you're saying. I mean, especially if it's something that's, oh, and I can't reference him anymore because we just banned his name, but if it's something as stupid as the former gentleman we were just speaking about a second ago, I mean, just absolutely delete it. I just had a, I just had a guy respond, Bryce Golden. <laughs> I'd be very sad if we traded Taewon. He's a good player, and I don't think we should give up on him after one year unless he's like DGB. He's played for us for two years. <laughs> it's not been one year. <laughs> Bryce. If you're an avid listener of the podcast, thank you for listening. <laughs> but he's he, let's let's be a little bit more common sense. He's a 300 yard wide a wide receiver the first year, 400 something yards last year, and he has one touchdown each year. He's not he's not a good wide receiver. I mean, Bryce, if you can get a fourth round draft pick out of him, which was what my my what he's replying to, if you get a goddamn, <laughs> if you can get a fourth round draft pick out of him. That that's really good for Taewon Taylor, who we drafted in the third round. Well, listen, in in somewhat in Bryce's defense, the only thing I'll say is that I'm pretty sure that at some point in the last year and a half, alcohol may have been involved, and I'm really hoping it's on an episode yeah. that is lost because we have several of those in our, <laughs> oh, in yeah. our lexicon. But I, I think I made a Stephen Tullock reference at some point, so we, just, I get yeah. it. Shit you know, happens. Stephen Tullock got brought up on the Three HL today, actually, <laughs> which was which it's reminded hilarious. me. And of honest it. to God, I didn't listen to Three HL yeah. today, but that, that's really funny. Um. So we're, we're going to wrap it up here. I, I do want to um, kind of reference a couple of things that are coming up. If you are a uh, 104.5 Midday 180 listener, you may have heard me uh, go after Paul a little bit today. It was simply to uh, rib him a little bit that he has accepted multiple invites to come on the podcast, agreed to come on, but then has not shown up. Oh, when he for, when Jonathan Hutton, let me say this, when Jonathan Hutton first brought it up, I was at the dog park, I was listening to it on the phone. <laughs> I didn't have headphones either. And... Hutton brought up, and he goes, well, I don't know if I really ever asked to be on. Oh, oh come and, and, and on. And listen, <laughs> Let me just one, say. That one actually couldn't have been funnier uh, yeah. than he Hutton said that. Hutton and Lebowski went a little easy on you. Let me tell you right now. At the Top Golf thing, you were basically a teenage girl preening to be on this show. You said that, like, okay, if he had made a comment about something he only said to me, then we get into he said, she said. But as soon as he said that, I started grinning because I was like, he said that in front of Zach. I had yeah. witnesses that. that oh, was and Murphy said. Uh, from For the Ville was That's there, right. Right, right there That's too. Right. And he was just like, I mean, sure, he you know he had a few beers and and stuff, and he he was really I could feel the hurt and the tension from him not being on the show. And we even said we even said, hey, we'll have you on after the draft, right after the draft. I mean, the draft is not his specialty. That's why he hired a former scout, Blake Benfield, to talk about the X's and O's and that stuff. Because, that, I mean, it's X's and O's and all that stuff is not everybody's specialty. And he's building a brand. He's building a great brand. And I can understand that. And so we said, hey, 
that's not your strong suit. Let's have you on after the draft because the draft is something that me and Mike love to dive deep on. So we'll, we'll have you on after that. So next week. After um, he called me a groupie. After, <laughs> he did call yeah, you a he, groupie. He called me a groupie. That's right, because he saw the pullover and he assumed you were a groupie, yeah. which is a, a little weird. As, <laughs> much, little as, weird. as much as I like to overinflate our brand, we're not at groupie stage yeah. and we're not there. We're not going to be there anytime soon. But and why would you bring a groupie <laughs> to the charity event? Here's one of our podcast. Yeah. We- no, none of you are weirdos. <laughs> but here's one of our podcast weirdos that I decided to bring out with me. So um, yeah. next week we're planning on having uh, Emily Proud on. Yeah. Um, I'm very looking forward to that. I am and, and if she listens to the podcast, I don't know if she does, uh, but I will uh, tweet her or we'll talk to her. She's more than welcome to bring her French bulldog that she has to so come and hang great, out with Huxley. That's a great point. I will remind her of that because I forgot that she does have a uh, does have a, a very cute French bulldog. Yeah. Um, we are going to have Paul on in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. We're going to make that happen. We definitely want to bring you some back-to-back good interviews. We, we've we definitely got some long-overdue Game of Thrones talk to have uh, with Will Compton again at some point. He had expressed interest, and in once the show was over, he wanted to be able to get in front of a mic with us again, so obviously we're looking forward to that. We have some good content that's coming. And we're going to have uh, Austin Stanley soon. Right. Um, with him and Paul, and we only record once a week, so it's really – that's the thing is that we only record once a week and it's really hard for us to get one guest in and be able to do it, you know, with our work schedules and everything. If we get multiple guests in at the same time without taking away from the first guest, we definitely do it. <coughs> so Austin Stanley from ADZ Sports, he's he's due. Um, we also have Emily Proud coming up next week. Right. And and then we have Paul Karski. Uh, we're working on some other ones, so you know, it's gonna be a good summer. Yeah. We're we're gonna come out we're gonna come out record content every week. But this is where we need your help. Yes. Zach tweeted out a poll today. Pinned on a, the profile. It's not just a basic poll. You did the poll in and I'm blanking on the, the website you now, used. I didn't use SurveyMonkey because uh, they could only let you do ten questions okay. if you want to do then they would only let a hundred answers flow through. Was it a Google Docs? Is that yeah, what it was? Yeah, I did Google Docs. Okay, so You'll see it. It's pinned to the top of the uh, football and other F words Twitter, which is F words Pod. Right. F words Pod. And we we have that uh, over a thousand listeners, so I expect over a thousand thousand votes. Right. We expect every single one of you diligently yeah. going out there filling out. But in all seriousness, we we need your help to fill this out, and here's why: it's it's easy for us to it's easier for us to look at your comments and be able to tailor content more towards what you all like about what we're doing and. More of what you expect. If you find us, and, and this is no joke, if you find us being offensive about something, if you find us being not going too long on a subject you like, going you know too long on a subject you hate, you get tired of us talking about Game of Thrones, you want us to talk more, I mean, whatever it is, leave us some comments, vote on this stuff, and, and kind of be detailed when you fill it out. Do, do we have audio problems? Are there things that we go off on a tangent about that you don't like. I know one purpose, I know we've had some people who like my crazy ass ad reads. Some don't. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, look, let's let's hear it. But please do us a favor and give us some feedback because the whole point why we put this content out there besides, you know, wanting to hear ourselves bloviate is to, you know, actually provide entertaining content. And it's easier for us to do that and attack that if you give us some feedback. And, and it also is going to provide opportunities for expansion opportunities for us to figure out how we can make this better because we do want to get into the written and the video aspects of it a little bit more we we've tried doing it we tried a couple new things we want to see if the new things work if they if they don't work that's fine we'll we'll come up with something else but 
you know, get on there, put put your info out there. If you have a personal preference that you don't want to put on, that there's not a space for it on the poll, fwordspod at gmail.com. Yep. F-W-O-R-D-S-P-O-D at gmail.com. Just write me an email. I, I am connected to it constantly. I'm constantly checking it. We have a newsletter. You can go subscribe on fwordspodcast.com, and you can go to the bottom of the, the webpage, and I fixed some of the font on the mobile, so that should be good. Um, and then you can subscribe to the newsletter. I've sent out now two newsletters. I'm probably going to send one out this week after we record this podcast. We're, 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 we're kind of becoming professionals. <laughs> Is that? I don't know that I'd go that far yet. Yeah. Because I think professional entails that, like, in an emergency, you know what you're doing. And yeah. I yeah. I don't think we do. So <laughs> hopefully the audio is good. A, bear, a little bit better than last week. I think I've figured it out. We hope so. Um, other than that, closing remarks. Yeah, I think, I think, uh, I think we're going to close it out here. Uh, yeah. You know, again, listen, please take the time to go on there and vote. It really does help us out. Thank you to everyone who constantly listens, checks in with us. Football and other efforts. It is F Words Pod on Twitter. And if you're listening to this podcast, you found us somehow, so keep doing it. Yeah. And you just got F. You just got F. And, and can I say something? The people who said they don't follow us on Twitter, but still somehow found the poll, how did you find the how, poll? How did, yeah. Please Explain. email me. Like, Explain. I don't understand because you said, oh, I don't follow you on Twitter, but I somehow found this poll. <laughs> well, if you found the poll, someone retweeted it. Follow us on Twitter. Do something. Do something with your lives. Follow me. 